just want to welcome each and every person that's here in the name of Jesus. And we also are thanking God for those of you that are joining us over Facebook Live. Please, please, please take the time to share and to like. I run into people and they tell me, man, I've been watching your, your uh, broadcast. And, and I'm like, well, you never let me know that. I don't know. I mean, I know we're supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. And I do. Um, but it helps me to see that the ministry is touching you. And so just your ability to, to, tuck, uh, to let us know that you're there, to even like it, comment, share it. Um, in your circle if the word is blessing you and to also participate in what we're doing by financially um, contributing and sowing into the ministry helps us to make that difference of destiny in lives of people all around the world. Would you consider doing that? I'm specifically asking uh, based on our recent first fruits giving that we have done as a part of re- rebuilding and, and, and reestablishing and our renovating our our sanctuary. Um, I'm asking God to raise up 120 partners that'll sow $100 into our ministry to help us to, to do the things that we want to do here. We got some plans that are literally out of this world. And uh, we just believe that there are people like you who are blessed by our ministry that have received something that has helped them along their destiny path that you will help us to do the thing that God has called us to do. All right. Would you consider that you'll get some information um, in the feed that you see there that'll tell you how you can contribute and what to do to do that. And I'll talk to you at the end of our message today. Amen. We're continuing on with dynamics of destiny relationships. This series has really been a good series. It is, it's a challenging series. Um, it takes some texts that are very common. Um, some of them are common and some of them are really not. Um, they're in the Bible. So um, you, you can be sure that Pastor David didn't come invent something. But some of them are texts that uh, have, for whatever reason, not been preached and taught on. And last week we spent some time in Romans chapter 10 explaining the criticality of there being a preacher who is sent to speak on a specific area, because if there is not a preacher, if there is not a person who is sent by God to preach on it, then you can't hear it, you can't believe it, and you can't call to it. And if you can't hear it, believe it, and call to it, based on somebody being sent to preach in a certain area, then the Lord can't be rich in your life in that area. Does that make sense? So that's what we've been really talking about. And, I, and so I'm, I am very bold and unapologetic about the things that God is telling me to say, even though um, sometimes uh, Christians feel like their ears are so sensitive, we can't talk about certain things. But the devil don't think your ears are so sensitive. He'll talk to you about them all the time. So since he is not, I'm not. I'm not going to apologize about opening my Bible and telling you what thus saith the Lord. Hallelujah. All right, so we've given you these four objectives. Um, 
around this series to illuminate the basic power of relationships, especially relationships that are developed for the purpose of glorifying God. And I'm specifically in this subset of this series talking about um, glorifying God in the context of married life and single life. Um, because a lot of these revelations the Lord used in my life to help me stay on the single path until I got married. Hallelujah. Two, to elaborate on the love connection is the key to empowering relationships, the principles upon which relationships consist in and by which they are maintained and enhanced. And our statement is that when it comes to the marriage relationship, the honeymoon is the worst it's ever supposed to be. It's supposed to get better from there and to be continuously improving. We go from grace to grace. We go from faith to faith. We go from glory to glory. Number three, to differentiate the various types of spiritual, natural, and social relationships and their purpose for being from God's perspective. And our statement is that marriage is all of that. It's spiritual, it's natural, and it's social, right? And we should be um, comfortable having conversations about marriage on all three planes. And then four, to motivate you to be more intentional in your relational roles at every level for relational success. And so there's some intentionality that um, I'm specifically working to ensure that we have in this season, that you are very, very intentional um, in our relationships. And so um, because there has been a lack of teaching on the things that I'm teaching about, we really haven't known that God had something to say about some of the stuff I'm talking about. We just thought we just had to figure it out. And if it's good, it's good. But, you know, God has something to say about all things that pertain to life and godliness. Certainly, if there is any relationship on earth that mimics a relationship that is in heaven, those things he has a lot to say about. So if he tells a husband to love as Christ loved the church, then he, certainly he's got something to say about that, right? He doesn't leave that stuff to chance, right? And so we, we know that there's things to say, but because we haven't heard about it, we just haven't believed. And that's not, that's not our fault. Um, but when we get truth that we haven't had, it becomes our responsibility, right? If, uh, so... One statement we've made here, a key statement is, is, that, is that there is a grace, grace of God to be either magnificently married or successfully single. And remember, according to Ephesians 2 and 8, all grace is received by faith. All right. So if there's a grace in this area, then I must have faith for that grace to manifest in my life, number one. And that faith must be supported by someone preaching the word of faith in that area. So you need somebody to preach on a magnificent marriage. And you don't need to wait for the marriage to become magnificent to hear the preaching. Jesus said it this way, it's the sick that need a physician. Right? So you don't wait till you're all healed and whole to, 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 to start preaching on that God heals. That's why I don't wait for, people to, for people's money to start rolling over for me to preach that God wants you rich. 
Okay. I, I don't wait for that because it's in the believing and calling that the manifestation comes. All right. So we don't let our experience determine what level of the word we preach. We let the word we preach determine the level of what we experience. I believe to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. All right. So whether or not your current experience would be called being successfully single or magnificently married, just hang on in here with me. Because the grace that comes in it comes in faith when you hear the word, believe it, receive it, and begin to move towards that thing in ways that God calls credible. Amen? So our core scripture for this subsection has been Ephesians 5, 25 through 30. And it says, husband, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as, as their own bodies. He who loves him, his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And so previously we talked about those words. We talked about that the words of a husband wash, nourish, and cherish. Wash, that he washes, he nourishes, and he cherishes his wife. And that those words that he uses, that that ministry, and I'm thinking about it in the same way that I think of myself as a pastor. When I'm using these terms, I'm saying that a husband should be pastoring his wife, speaking words over her that are intentional for her. Okay. So, um, I never, now I can, I can come in to church, um, or I can come into a, a time when I am, um, I'm not necessarily quote unquote prepared to preach, right? Meaning that there's just days that I, I'll tell you a story. There was one time. Uh, when uh, Apostle was senior pastor, that uh, uh, somewhere we had got our, our lines crossed. So she's thinking, I'm preaching today, and I'm thinking she's preaching. And so she says after the offering, and the next voice you will hear after this praise selection is Pastor David Johnson. And I'm like, Jesus, hallelujah. And... Uh, because I have an elaborate system on my iPad where every message that I have, I've ever done in Jesus' name, not all of them, but since, since I've been storing it, there's at least a couple years worth of messages. While that last worship song was going on, I was connecting to the internet and I was downloading, okay, God, what are we about to preach today? And I just went on and I found that message and I pulled it up on my iPad from Dropbox. Dropbox was a very present help in my time of trouble. Yes, it was. 
And so I dropped something from that box right into my iPad, and I got up here, and I preached with power, passion, and conviction. Now, usually I'm more prepared than that. All right? What I'm telling you is, is as a husband, you shouldn't just be so flippant. But you should consider yourself as a minister that the preparation that I do to prepare as your pastor, as a husband, you should be preparing your words just like I prepare the word of God. Because as far as I'm concerned, a husband is an ordained office. I'm as ordained to be Lady Nedra's husband as I am to be your pastor. And that with it being an office, then then that God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. That means that I may not start out with all of the tools I need to be successful, but don't worry, just stay with God. And he'll train you and teach you how to do this. He knows something about it. Since his love standard is that you love her like Christ loved the church, then clearly he knows what he's talking about. And just like he ascended upon heaven, ascended into heaven, according to Ephesians 4, and gave the gift of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, he gave a dimension of himself so that you on his behalf me as a minister, other fivefold ministers can minister to his bride, the church. He also says, I'm going to give a dimension of myself so that you can minister to that woman I gave you on my behalf too. Because while her earthly father may have given her away, he didn't. So he's grading. And if he's going to grade you for it, he must give you the capability to do the assignment that he's going to grade you for. All right. But just like I have to, I mean, if all that happened was I came in on December 13th, 2013, got anointed and made a confession and didn't give myself to the office that I didn't give myself to the gift and the capability that God made available for me to be pastor, I would still be stuck where I was back then. The apostle Paul told Timothy, these prophecies that went on were spoken over you when I laid my hands at your ordination, meditate on these and then give yourself completely to it. Don't be lazy. Give yourself to the assignment that God put on your life, and then you will have profit that other people can see. Well, the same thing is true for me as a husband. If I'm lazy as a husband, if I just sit there and say, well, bless God, she got to put up with it. She married me. She promised God. Then I'm not giving myself to the assignment. But if I give myself to it, God promises to meet me and shed his love abroad in my heart in a way that she will feel happy, in a way that she will feel happy. That's a promise, but I got to stretch out towards it. All right. So um, some key statements we had here. These are things that the Lord taught me, and I'm sharing them with you. First of all, sex is good, and it is from God. The Holy Spirit is the greatest sexpert there is. Yes, that's a word he gave me. Don't You won't find it in the dictionary in Jesus' name. But that's how he said it to me, so that's why I'm telling it to you. 
All right, you don't have to worry. Uh, so I've heard of cases where people have said, well, um, to spice up our relationship, I need to bring some pictures of some other women into our bedroom, and that'll help me look at you better. And I'm thinking, how dumb can dumb get? That must be the answer. It must be. And um, somehow we have, the devil has convinced people that he knows more about sex than God does. I'm just trying to tell you that's wrong. The Holy Spirit, it, it, hell didn't invent it. Hell can only pervert what heaven invents. People say, that's the devil's music. Yeah, okay, the devil has perverted music, but the devil didn't invent music. Heaven did. God, God created it. Right? So I, so I um, you know, I, I am in faith. Here, here's, here's, here's Pastor David's faith. Right? That one of the, the things that I'm going to have is I'm going to have a music studio. Believing for it, got the plans, at least some plans, don't have it fully worked out yet. And that one of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to produce sacred love songs. In fact, one of the things that I want to do is, what I want to do is I want to have counseling sessions that are recorded with me and a prospective groom and a prospective bride separately, 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 separately. So then what I'll do is I'll say, tell me why you love this person. And, and he'll, he'll say, da, 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 in his session. And then I'll ask her the same thing, and I'm recording it, and I, she'll say this, da, 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 this, in her section. And then I'll take that, listen to both of them, and then I'll put their track, I'll put what they said to music. And I'll say, on your wedding night, this is your music. And then I'll give them a, 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 song, a version of it, with words, and then I'll give them an instrumental version. The instrumental version is for everybody else. So when you're out on your way to work, you can just listen to the song and think about all of the stuff she said about you. All right? Because music has a way of taking you back. That's why they say they're playing our song. Now, now our song is going to really be your song. Yeah, yeah, that's, I'm in faith. I'm just, I'm just letting you dream with me. Just letting you dream with me. Okay, so what I'm telling you is, now where did I get all this revelation? I just read it in the Word. I'm like, man, it was a song. They had music. It was good. They enjoyed it. These were musical plays, acts, and it was, it was a duet. It was him singing and she singing. Him singing. And so the Lord said, do that. And, 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 and I believe, like, now, some, a lot of us got in trouble listening to music. So if we can get in trouble getting into music, we can certainly get right getting into music. I'm just saying, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. It's not that deep. Yes, it is. All right, so the second, the second uh, key statement is that the word of God is graphic, but it is not pornographic. Because I want you to be confident. Pastor David, Lord. I got sensitive ears. That's why I'm helping you. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to make sure your sensitivity is tuned to the word of God. All right? And so there's some things that the word says, and it's very clear. And, and actually, 
a lot of the revelation that I got was I was meditating these scriptures to the point that I could see the pictures. And then the Lord explained it to me. Okay. That's exactly how the Lord really revealed this stuff to me. All right. So I'm going to just go through this list. I gave you 12 intimacy secrets from the Song of Solomon. All right. And we're just going to go through um, the first three. Actually, we did the first two, so I'll just kind of go through those, and then we'll go into the third one. All right? So the first one says that the intimacy interaction with your wife is designed to remove all sense of her self-consciousness related to her beauty or past hurts. Every wife deserves to feel beautiful. Let me say that again, because that was not in my notes. Every wife deserves to feel beautiful. She deserves to feel special in the eyes of her husband. And it's not enough for him to, I, I told her, but you do you tell her in a way. <laughs> Tell her you look nice. She shouldn't have to stop that. If she doesn't feel it, you're not done yet. Every wife deserves that. I have to write that one down, and that's got to be in my notes next time. Because Holy Ghost talking to me just like when I'm talking, okay? Number two, if you walk in your kingly role as God intended, remember God has made us all kings and priests. You will be attractive to a lot of women, but only attracted to one. The mathematics of marriage is very simple. Two become one. That math, you don't even need an advanced, you don't even know, need no calculus to get that. Two become one. So I try to tell people, I say, listen, 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 listen. You know, if you have practiced celibacy before you got married, it's so much easier. I'm just saying, going from zero to one is a whole lot easier than going from two to one. All right. Okay. I'm just saying. The math on that is real simple. Because <laughs> the problem is, when we've been intimate to a, a lot of people, then there's a piece of us with this person and a piece of us with that person and a piece of us with that person. So when God tries to make two one, it's one times one equals one. And if we have a piece here, a piece there, a piece there, then it's hard for God to multiply fractions. Because if you multiply fractions, the number gets smaller, not bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Okay. So I have to, I want to work on being attracted to one. We talked about that in the last session. And one of the things we talked about when it comes to words, we talked about it, and I'm just referencing a scripture in James chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. It says, if I'm able to keep my tongue turned a certain way, my body stays turned that way. James says, just like we put pressure 
on the mouth of a horse through a bit and a bridle to turn that horse in a certain direction, if you can just keep your tongue right, you can keep your body right. I don't know if I can. No, see, you're saying the wrong thing. you saying, I don't know if I can. That's not the words that's going to keep you tied to your wife. I'm just saying. Okay? So what I say matters. The words. Jesus said that I'm justified or condemned by words. He said some words are justifying, some words are condemning, and some words are just idle. They don't, just, they don't do nothing. And so when you're really trying to enrich your marriage, the words that you use concerning your marriage are very important. It just amazes me how people talk about their marriage. It just amazes me. Like, you think God's going, going to get in the middle of that and do what? Okay? Now, can you have problems and can you talk? Well, yes, you can. But make sure you're talking towards a solution. Sometimes you're not necessarily looking for agreement. You're looking for an accomplice. <laughs> yeah, you're looking for somebody to go along with your crime. Yeah. Okay, so make sure you're really getting agreement to move your thing forward, not an accomplice. Somebody to go along with your criminal activity. All right? So what our words matter. Now we're getting down to number three. This is the one that we're going to deal with today. And it says, you are designed to pursue her, your wife, with word pictures. Like Jesus did with parables. A woman must be aroused mentally through passionate word pursuit to be aroused sexually. Right? So you can't just run in saying, bam, I'm ready. And you ain't said nothing nice at all. Just nothing. Just nothing. Just zero to zillions. Just zero. You dare. You ready overnight. You ain't done nothing. Ain't said nothing. Don't haven't even studied your wife's love language. Haven't done nothing. It's supposed to be all good, and you just, you instant, in season and out of season. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right, so let's deal with this one for a second. You, you, Jesus uses words called parables, word pictures. Parables are word, words that create pictures, words with images embedded in them. All right? So, um, so let's talk about the word parable. I'm going to explain some things about that today, and then we'll just give you some examples from the scripture, and I'll show you this in Song of Solomon. Two lines that run together, two lines, are called parallel. When the Holy Spirit comes Alongside you, the Greek word that we talk about him is the paraclete. Para means alongside. Kaleo means to call. Paraclete is the one who comes alongside and calls out to you. All right? 
when we take two things and bring them alongside, the word for that is parable. That word parable comes from two words, para alongside, balo means to throw at. So it says, it literally means, and you can, you're right, show, show them that definition. Parable means to throw these two things alongside. Remember, Jesus would say, the kingdom of heaven is like a man that sowed seed in a field. So there is the kingdom on one side, and he threw a picture right next to it. And he said, if you understood this picture that I threw next to it, you'll understand this thing right here. I have a series that I taught at the GM Bible study or the Business Wisdom Network, as we were calling it back then, called Understanding the Power and Potential of Parables. Because that's one of the ways that God gives you creative ideas. We know what we know in terms of things that we already know. That's why cars were originally called horseless carriages. Why well, we got carriage town in Flint. Because we understood cars in terms of something we already understood. That's why engine has horsepower. Because we're, we're relating it into something that we had understood at the time. All right? See, that's why this is a source of creativity. We, that's why... The internet was called the World Wide Web because we were thinking of it in terms of a spider's web. Okay? So we learn things. And so sometimes when God is trying to give you a creative idea, he'll take things that on the surface look unrelated and put them close together. Now that is where you get creative ideas from. I'm, I'm telling you how God talks to me as an engineer. This is like that. And if you understand how that works, then you can apply this to that, and then you'll have a whole other set of ideas that other people don't even know about. That's some good preaching, Pastor David. Yes, it is. All right? So that's how Jesus taught. Let's look at it in Matthew 13, verse 34 and 35. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables, and without a parable he did not speak to them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. So he took things that look unrelated and then put them close together. All right? That's what a parable is. All right? Um, that scripture there references an Old Testament text that was spoken by the prophet. That's Psalm 78, verse 2. I'm going to read that out of the Amplified Version. And it says, I will open my mouth in a parable to instruct using examples. I will utter dark and puzzling sayings of old that contain important truth. All right? So parables were a specific way that Jesus used to, 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 to show things that were hidden, all right? Now, this same word 
that's translated parable in the Old Testament and other places is, is the same word for the word proverb, right? So it's a very deep thing. Now, when Solomon was getting proverbs, he studied that thing real close. And then he found a way to utter what he saw. Oh, you're telling me I'm supposed to study my wife real close and then say stuff good about her that I see? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what, that's what Peter meant in 1 Peter where he said, dwell with your wife according to knowledge. Oh, I'm supposed to study her. Oh, I thought that once I got married, I just had to go on and conquer something else. No, 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 brother. This is an ongoing research project. This is a class that requires continuing education, and you will never graduate. Because as soon as you got it at one level, she's going to change all over again, and you're going to have to go back to the drawing board and keep on studying. That's some good preaching, Pastor David. Yes, it is. That word for proverb or parable also is tied to the Hebrew word mashah, which means to rule, reign, and have dominion. In other words, the sayings that you get are designed to help you win or get to the top of life. See, people that are wise speak in code. They speak in layered meanings that often hide the power of their prowess from the unengaged, uncommitted, and unintelligent. So Jesus would say things in parables, and some people just thought he was talking stories about farming. And then other people would get a deeper meaning. So what you must realize is that the spouse God gave you is so deep, there is layers, and you should be able to speak to her and, and about her and speak into her on several layers at once. And if you meditate, God will show you how to do that. That's some good preaching, Pastor David. Thank you, thank you, hallelujah. If your meditation is rich enough, then you will verbalize and visualize at the same time. You're supposed to say it and see it. Right? So how you speak matters. Uh, let's, let's look at how, how in the book of Proverbs, because the same word as Proverbs and parables, how, how God did this for me as a single person. Here's some things. Some of these have carried over into marriage, um, and they've really been a blessing to me. Proverbs 11, 22. Now, some of these is how the Lord was telling me when, how to pick out a strange woman. Okay, go ahead. As a ring of gold in a swine's snout, that's a picture so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. So if a strange woman is pushing up on me, I say, Lord, the Lord just had me picture a pig with a nose ring. <laughs> Isn't that what that said? <laughs> Isn't that what that says? That's exactly what that says. <laughs> now, let me tell you, when you, if you meditate that picture long enough, a woman start pushing up with you, you, are, you, you, will, you will stop seeing what she's advertising and all you will picture is a pig with a nose ring and then it'll lose its, it'll lose its attraction and you'll keep it moving. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, that's a parable, isn't it? He put those two things that look, don't even look like they're related right next to one another, didn't he? Do you see the parable there? 
All right. Let's look at another one. That's good preaching. I, I know. I'm, I'm helping somebody. I'm helping. I'm helping. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 26 and 27. Now, this one is talking about the strange woman as well, but this one is talking about the danger associated with it. Proverbs 7, 26 and 27. For she has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. Uh-oh. Let's stay there for a second. So even though the men started out strong, they ended up wounded. And it wasn't just a few, it was many of them. And even though they were strong, they ended up dead. See, he's putting these two things close together. Why? Because sometimes what happens is if you would have asked Samson when the getting was good, he thought he was strong enough that he could play with fire and not get burnt. If you had asked him, he would have told you, I felt like I could, I, could, I could play off into this, get my needs met, and still come out unscathed. That's what he thought. But when he ended, he was dead and his eyes was plucked out. But he thought he was strong enough. That's why I, I watch when brothers start to feel like they're the last of the great lovers. Dude, you, you just stop it. You're going gonna to jack up everything you got. You understand what I'm saying? I'm like, man. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. See, these were the pictures that the Lord used. No, 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 no. Don't play with fire. You're not so smart. You're not so good that it won't burn you. All these people got these stories. I thought it was just, no. See, you didn't read the Bible. Now, this is not to put anybody in the condemnation, but the scripture is real plain. Because if you think she's going to kiss and not tell, ask all of these women that's trying to get out of their secret agreements with our president. <laughs> all of them trying to break their agreement. Now, he paid them off. There's a lot of hush money in that, but they're still trying to break it. They're going to tell somebody. Go on to verse 27. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. When she invites you over, if you saw that this was like a signpost on a highway saying this is the highway to hell, if you saw the flames coming out the front door, I'm just saying, I'm trying to teach you how to meditate. I'm trying to teach you how to meditate. If you meditated that long enough, when she started coming to, up to you, you would start feeling the heat. And you would run, not walk the other direction. Because part of it is, part of how she traps people is she gets them to feel like, oh, this, there's no harm in this. I'm just listening to this, and all it is doing is stroking my ego. It's making me feel good, but it's not doing damage. And that's why in, in, in 
earlier parts of that chapter 7, it says with her soft words, she forced him. And so here God's putting two things close together, smooth speech and then an act of aggression and violence. And people don't get that because they don't meditate. Because they don't see what the parable is trying to put close together. Because they think that violence is over here and the soft speech is over there. And the Bible is telling you they're right in the same space. They run in parallel to each other. And if you saw that word picture and meditated it, if you meditated on the picture of hell long enough, I'm going to tell you. When since you this is my story. This is my song. <laughs> Praising my Savior all the day long. When the sisters started pushing up to me, because I had meditated these scriptures so much, I started to see the flames. My college buddy was like, man, she didn't say that. I'm like, listen, y'all can think what you want to. I know y'all think I'm just nerdy David, but she wasn't talking to y'all. She didn't tell y'all that her son had went away to his father's house for the weekend. She told me. She told me, y'all didn't hear that. I heard it. And when I heard it, the picture of the flames came up and I ran the other direction. I'm just saying, if you meditate the scripture, it'll keep you out. I'm, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you be successfully single. I'm trying to tell you where the, that, that the grace came with the faith that was tied to this word that I had meditated day and night. Because then you'll observe to do it according to Joshua chapter 1. Then you will make your own way prosperous and then you will have good success. Problem is people ain't seeing what's in the scripture. They study but they don't meditate. Start seeing a picture of them flames coming out of her house. Child, please. <laughs> You'll be like, ain't that much sex in the world. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, you'll you get to the point. It won't even, it won't even. <laughs> you're like, child, please, you better keep it moving. All right. Now, these, this use of word pictures is then part of a happy marriage. Now, we understand this, even if we don't understand it in the positive, we understand word pictures about marriage in the negative. Let me, what you talking about, Pastor David? Oh, I got to go home to my old ball and chain. So what word picture does that put in place? That's a parable one, isn't it? I told you, uh, and this is a true story, Lady Nedra confirmed it. When we was working here in Flint, if they knew you was getting married, they would actually grab you and stick a chain and a, and a, and a cannonball that you had to carry around. They would, they would run up, they would bum rush you, lock you up with the chain and the ball, and then they would give your fiance the key. And so these dudes was walking, like, I'm thinking, you can't even go home and change your clothes. Because you got this chain around your neck. I mean, not around your neck, but around your ankle. And I, I'm, I saw people walk around. Oh, he getting married. That was a, and they would laugh, and it was a big joke. But that, what kind of word picture is that of your marriage? My old ball and chain. 
my old lady. Why is it that she got to be old? Now, there's nothing wrong with being old. But why is it that the word picture is driving her towards aging? Some of these, they're just, they're newlyweds and they're calling her an old ball and chain. The old lady. What? So we, it's not that we don't use word pictures. We just only use them in the negative. What I'm explaining is that this principle works in the positive. You know, at work, um, people that know me know that when I refer to Lady Nedra, I call her my darling bride. That's on purpose. I like that word picture. And it doesn't have to age just because we've been married a long time, neither. I remember watching Oral Roberts, and he referred in his... 70s and 80s referred to his darling bride, Evelyn. I was like, Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Yeah, I like that. My darling bride. I'm like, Jill, if he can be married as long as he didn't be married to her, that worked for him. That can work for me too, Jesus. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to do that. I'm taking that one home. I'm putting that one in my file. Right? It doesn't, see, People see stuff and we only work it in the negative, not realizing that God created us to work it in the positive. All right. Now let's look at Song of Solomon chapter four. I want to show you the scriptures that that really kind of highlighted this. There's several examples of this. But this is the ones that I'm going to just talk through today. Song of Solomon chapter four, I'm going to read verses one through five. Behold, you are fair, my love. Behold, you are fair. You have dove's eyes behind your veil. So he's using word pictures. Your hair is like a flock of goats going down from Mount Gilead. Ah, okay, keep going. Your teeth are like a flock of shorn sheep which come up from their washing. Everyone which bears twins and none is barren among them. That means none of the teeth are missing. Okay, but that sounded better the way Solomon said it. I'm just saying, but that's exactly. See, he says it's twins, none is barren. He said none of your teeth is missing. I like you because your teeth look good, baby. You got your dinner work done. Verse 3. <laughs> your lips are like a strand of scarlet and your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veils are like a piece of pomegranate. Your neck is like the Tower of David built for an armory on which hang a thousand bucklers, all shields of mighty men. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle, which feed among the lilies. All right. So, so Solomon was expert at painting word pictures that made his wife feel attractive. Okay, And I'm telling you, as your pastor, that if you're not studying how to talk to your wife to make her feel attractive, you're in sin. Can't say it any clearer because that's the way the Holy Spirit's telling me to tell it to you. Because see, people won't move unless you tell them it's sin. 
If you tell them it's a suggestion, they like it ain't even that deep. You tell Christian folks they sinning, then they like, hey, I don't want to sin. You're missing the mark. You're missing what you're not nourishing or cherishing or washing your wife with words. That's what I'm talking about. Don't miss that. Right? Use word pictures. Right? Remember that just as Jesus washes his bride with words and paint a picture of a different person in a place, right? He calls us, he tells us when you're in sin that I've accepted you in the beloved. He calls you a mighty man when you feel like you are weak. He says, let the weak say I'm strong. So he speaks words that create a different picture and take you to a different place. He sees you through blood-colored glasses and then calls out of you this thing that he sees in you. I'm saying, as a husband, that's what you're called to do as well. Stop complaining about her. Wash her. Stop complaining about what you got. Call to what you want. Call to it. That's what God does. How many other preachers in here, he called you a minister, and you were, you were a bit more close to being nothing about nothing when he told you that this is what he wanted you to do? Or am I the only one? All right? So he'll call something out. He'll call you a mighty man of valor. He called Gideon. You a mighty man of valor when Gideon was hiding. So he doesn't wait until you demonstrate all the characteristics to call it out of you. Right? So just like Jesus does that for the church, just like I as a pastor study to speak over you as a congregation, so must husbands study to speak good words over his wife. But, but pastor, I can't do that. I'm not in touch with my feelings. I didn't touch with my feelings. So what do you want? You want to just grunt? Me, Tarzan, you, Jane, food, money, sex. Sex, food, money. Food, money, sex. Sex, food, money. Boom. Boom. I'm just saying, that's how people want it to be, but that's not what the word says. Okay? Remember, there's a grace to be married. I want you to recognize that if you start going after this area, God's going to meet you and favor you. God has put something inside you to bless your wife, and nobody else can do it the way you do it. Now, there's a lot of pastors out there in the world but God has put a grace on my life for Destiny Generation Church. And I acknowledge all of the pastors that do all of that other stuff. And I'm, you know, I applaud them and what God has called them to do. But when I come here, I got to say, God, what do you have for me and the church you gave me? 
So there's a lot of men doing a bunch of stuff. Brothers, and you should give a shout out to all of the brothers, and you should learn from what they're doing. I did stuff at a Lady Nedra's uh, 50th birthday celebration because I wanted to be an example of what I wanted to reproduce in my congregation. Now, I didn't want brothers to say, man, I can't use them big words that Pastor David used you, not Pastor David. I wanted you to take the example of me using the gifts that God had given me to appreciate my wife and say, well, he can use his gift. I'm going to use my gifts. I was over at, uh, at uh, Pastor Holmes' church, um, and uh, he was having a marriage conference a few years back, and Pastor Lonnie Brown was the speaker. And, you know, Apostle <laughs> Dr. Mark Barkley says, oh, golden throat over there, you know, because he can sing. You know, he can really, really sing to his wife, right? And he calls him old golden throat, right? And um, he says, so he just come over here and he can just sing anything. And he can, Apostle just, and so he, write, he makes up a song on the spot and sings to his bride. And I was like, well, bless God. I mean, I can't sing like him, but I can go home and play that piano and make it talk to her in Jesus' name. <laughs> yes, I can. So I'm going to use, he using the gifts he got. I'm going to use the gift I got. And then after I said that, then Pastor Holmes, who was the contractor, said, I can go home and build something. <laughs> Everybody got to use what they got, baby. You got to use what you got. I'm just saying. Everybody got to use what they got. He was like, listen, y'all ain't leaving me out. I may not have all that musical stuff y'all got, but I got something too, baby. I got something. I'm going to put something. I'm going to build something for my baby. In my father's house, there are many mansions. I'm going to build something for my baby. She's going to feel like I love her because I have put my love in a gift towards her that I built with my very own hand. And I wasn't playing hating. I'm like, listen, man, use what you got. I'm going to use what I got. I'm saying you got to work the tools God give you. All right. So I said all of that, but I also want you to realize that as your pastor, that the grace that you submit to and sow into in my life will come on you. Okay, so, so this is what I want you to do. Now, well, let me give you an example. So I started, you know, last year, it was in April that I laid hands on Minister Eva Jarrett to be a teacher, a principal teacher in this congregation. And it's evident that the grace that's on my life is beginning to manifest on hers. And so her messages are different. God talks to her different than he talked to her before. Right? Well, the same thing could be true for you. So she gets up at the celebration and then she pulls out an acrostic list and starts saying it to her. I'm like, don't get in my stuff now. I mean, you in the grace and stuff, but I got my own list. Don't, don't be stealing my thunder in Jesus' name. All right, but she was in that thing. She was in there. I'm just saying, all I'm telling you is that this, this grace that's on my life is available to you, to you as your pastor. Now, do you got to just do it the way I do it? No, but you got to do something. And if you don't have a way that you're doing it, I recommend you start with the way I'm doing it in Jesus' name. Issue isn't just doing it like me. That's not the issue. The issue is just doing it. 
And if you don't have another way, then you should take mine. <laughs> so here's my challenge to you. I'm challenging all my husbands that are here and those that are watching me online to go home, sit down, pull out a notepad, write down your wife's names, and have God give you a characteristic for each letter in her name. Write down her first name. So N stands for, because that's what I'm doing. I'm praying. I'm like, N, N, N. She's nuanced. Yeah. I like that. That says that there's many shades to her. And just when I think I figured it out, there's another one that comes out. Nuanced. Yeah, I like that one. Sometimes I do it and I'm like, no, nah, I don't like that one. Scratch that one out. Let me try it again. Throw that piece of paper away and start over. But keep going until you find it. Okay? Now, if you do what I say and seek God, I'm telling you, as your pastor, he's going to meet you because I'm your pastor. Because he told me that he wanted the grace on my life to multiply to the marriages in our congregation. That's why I'm telling you this. Now, do you have to do it that way? Some people, you know, all they want to do is, I don't want to do it your way, but you ain't doing nothing. She ain't happy. If she was happy, I tell you, if your stuff ain't broke, don't fix it. But if your stuff broke, you need to fix it. Start with what I got, and then after a while, you can freestyle and God will give you your own. <laughs> okay? So write down each letter, and then have God give it to you. And he'll give it to you. You start, you pray and see God, pull it out, get these scriptures, and meditate, and ask God to talk to you. He will talk to you about your marriage. He will talk to you. The Holy Ghost wants to help you. He's sitting there waiting for you to sit down and ask him what I'm telling you because he's there to help you. He is just as much committed to helping you do that as he is committed to helping me prepare this message. I don't ever go into my prayer closet getting ready to study for a message wondering, is, is, does God want to help me preach to y'all? Never a question, never a question, never a question. Now, I might need to seek God. I might just need to still myself. I might need to fast and pray to get into the zone. But it's never a question, does heaven want to speak to me about you? Never a question, never at all. So I don't ever want you to go in there wondering, I'm going to sit down with a blank pad and God not going to talk. No, no. The question is, are you going to sit still enough to listen? That's the question. The question is not, is God going to talk? The question is, are you going to listen? Because he wants this to work. He wants our marriages to be successful, to be a light in the community. He wants people to want what you have and come to know him because you show the mystery of Christ loving the church. You, you want to tell them, man, if you see what I'm doing, you think that's good. Just, I want you to know how much Jesus loves you. Man, I don't even know if I can love my wife like you love her. Child, please, let, if you think I'm good, let me tell you about the Jesus that I serve, how much he loves me and how much he wants to love you. Pastor Dave, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. Then go home and fail miserably. You're doing a good job at that. I don't know how else to say it. 
This was, I gave you the word of God. I didn't give you my opinion. I didn't tell you, you, I, you telling me I got to do it. No, no, no. I gave you Song of Solomon. I gave you scripture, chapter, and verse. I didn't tell you to do it like I do. I told you to do it like the word do. I gave you my own personal example because you learn through precept, which is the word of God, and personal example. And God told me to preach it because he said your example is solid enough that you can preach it now with credibility. But I don't, have a, I don't have a plan B if you don't want to do what the words say. Some brothers say, I can't do all that. I can't, I can't get in my feelings. All I want to do is grunt. She's supposed to understand my grunts. How was your day? How did work go? Then you want to grunt in the bedroom. Sex. just saying if we don't do what the word says we can't but do anything other than that but fail now when you got your pad down when you write them down go over them and meditate them because you need to deliver them with feeling you need to feel what you're saying and then you need to give it to her in a way that she can feel it too Oh, you telling me I need to practice? Yes, I'm telling you, you need to practice. That's what, exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying you should practice. Go over it in your mind. Over that's meditation. You go over the words. You visualize visualize yourself saying it, and her being enthralled by your words. Tell me more. Now, the first time, she may be in shock. Her face may look like. <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. Stick with the picture you had in your meditation and keep pursuing. How many of you responded the very first time God told you to do everything he's told you to do? Okay, my hand is down too. So that means he's pursued me. And has given me time to respond to his pursuit. So if the very first time, at, 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 <laughs> can I say this? Slow? After 20 years of not doing it, if the first time you do it, she isn't fully excited, give her time to change. I'm just saying, give her time to get in the game. God gave you time. Child, please, if you'd have said, I told him once, we'd all be in hell. Right? All right? So write the words down, go over them, meditate them so that you can express them with your feelings. She needs to feel appreciated in your words of pursuit. She needs to feel appreciated. You need to give her something she can feel. You want to pursue with affection until you elicit an emotional rise that produces an affirmative response. You want to pursue until her emotions start to say, man, I like this stuff. Yeah, I want to hear more. Tell me more, baby. Just tell me more. All right? 
You want to express courtesy, openness, genuine concern and conviction about the passion you are displaying towards your wife. You want to be courteous. Honey, let me get that for you. Can I open the door? Please, you first. You want to be courteous. You want to be open. Honey, do you want to talk about that? Let's talk. And don't rush past like I'm watching. It's, it's March Madness. You're messing with my time. Reclaiming my time. I want to get back to the game. Can we hurry this up? It's not open. It's not open. Right? You want to demonstrate genuine concern. How did that make you feel? I'm sorry. It might not even be something you did. I'm sorry you had a bad day. Genuine concern and conviction. And you need to listen. Like, when I come here, I'm not ready to preach until I believe everything on that page. I, I'm, I, I'm not getting up there trying to wonder, man, this might work. Y'all, y'all be looking at me like, well, if it ain't working for you, I don't know if I'm going to try it neither. No, I need to come in here with some conviction. So when you're ministering, because this is ministry, this is ministry. This is just as much ministry as I'm doing now. Actually, it's more. When you, you need to minister with conviction. You need to live like you are God's gift to her. And if you're God's gift to her, then you're going to do things that God wants, even if it's not what you want. Because you are representing him. You're not representing her, yourself. Husbands, love your wives as Christ love the church did this bless you today hallelujah i am so excited that those of you that are online have watched with us today i pray that these things are blessing you i miss um i mix a little of humor a little bit of humor <laughs> you know some some core bible teaching some humor um I try to make it where you won't forget it, where you don't get lost or you don't get distracted. I want my words to stay with you, even if it's only the joke part that the Lord uses to bring it back to your remembrance. All of that's designed because I've studied this thing, just like I'm telling the husbands to do to their wives, because I want to deliver it in such a way that it impacts your life. I'm praying for the marriages of the folks that are represented both in our congregation and those that are uh, our partners and viewers online that these words that God has given me will change your life and that you that the dynamics of destiny will be experienced in your relationships and launch you into a new level of relationship success I am continuing to ask that because of our first fruits giving that you consider sowing a seed now I'm telling you what my faith is but whatever the Lord tells you to do I'm you know, I'm not telling you, you got to do this exact figure, but I have and am asking God to raise up 120 people to sow $100. I have a certain need, a certain figure, 
I'm really looking to redo our stage here as the next project of what we're working on. And we're doing a number of different things because I believe that God wants to raise up uh, and revitalize the, the resource that he has given us as a facility to, to be able to, to bring in more people and for them to experience an environment of heaven on the earth. That's what we're working on because I believe that that's what God has called every leader and every church to do when we just want to do it with what God has given us. So please, the information is there on your screen about how you can, um, you can give um, there. You text NGAC to 54244 with instruction. Um, you'll get the instructions on how to give a first fruits offering. All right. Um, please note that this Saturday that the men of destiny will be meeting in our church. We'd love to have you come to our men of destiny prayer this Saturday from nine to 11. We really work to be in and out in that time frame. We have a time of men coming together that, um, that goes with this session. I hit the brothers hard because I believe the word does, but we have a time where we open up together and then we see God together to be better husbands, to be better fathers, to be better leaders within our community. So please don't um, mistake what I'm saying, saying I'm working to be hard or harsh. I wanna give you the right help, but I wanna show you what the word says so that together we go to the throne of grace so that we can obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Does that make sense? We just want you to know that there is grace that's out there for you, but we wanna challenge you in ways that'll help you pursue the grace that's available to you to be successful. Please note this coming Sunday, uh, we have a great word coming to you. I'm gonna challenge you if you're anywhere near uh, the Flint, Michigan area, my challenge is if you're anywhere 100 miles from us, it'll be worth the trip in Jesus' name. I'm asking you and challenging you to come to 1011 Hammond Avenue. Our service starts at 1030. We roughly go about 1030 to about 1230. Um, and try to get you in and out so it's not a long service, but it's very power packed and the word is always good. It's challenging you just like you're saying here and um, you will be blessed. So please note that. And then next Tuesday, we'll be right back here at, um, at Destiny Generation sharing on the dynamics of destiny relationships. I also want to encourage you um, continue again to, to join us next week, but also like and share what you're hearing. I believe God has produced a unique revelation on relationships that you might not have heard it this way before. I'm not saying I'm the only person that's ministering on relationships, but I do think that God has given us a unique insight and that God has sent me, as Romans 10 says, to preach this gospel until it's occurred to the uttermost parts of the earth. All right. So until next time, please continue to believe and receive this and believe that God is helping you find the destiny path for your life. God bless you.